Thank you for choosing to listen to the Customer Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Van Milligan. On this podcast, we delve deeply into personality because I believe that it gives us unprecedented insight into the inner workings of the minds of our customers. If we can understand what they want and why they want it, we have an advantage when it comes time to persuade them to buy from us. What we do here is to understand personality by focusing on what people value, and we learn that by talking to and observing people. In this episode, we're going to interview an INTJ entrepreneur about his business. As always, I want you to listen for several objectives. One, listen for his values and file these away in your mind under the NT personality temperament. Listen for the style, word choice, and the theme that he talks about. And finally, listen for his business strategies and the tactics on how he believes success will happen for him. After the interview, I'll give you my observations and the clues that were apparent to me that he was an INTJ. And hopefully you'll learn from this so that we can understand our customers better. So our guest today is Richard Lau. Now Richard has generated millions of dollars in revenue in the internet industry. NamesCon, his in-preference conference focused on domain names, began as an idea in the fall of 2013 and is now part of the GoDaddy family. Resume.com is an online resume builder for millions of job seekers and is another of Richard's recent successful exits this time to Indeed.com. His current project is Logo.com, an AI-powered logo maker that has the ability to design a unique logo for your company in just a few minutes. So let's go on to the interview. So again, Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. So Richard, you're the the founder of Logo.com. So so first off, tell us about Logo.com and what do you do there? Yeah, so with Logo.com, what we're um, pr- providing is an automated logo maker. So what we're trying to do is take the back and forth that um, a logo um, design um, customer or client is wanting to, to have. Um, and, you know, they're, they're having this back and forth with either a designer or with an agency or, um, uh, you know, with with a friend um, who's designing their logo for them. And there's a predictable conversations, whether it's the color, whether it's the, the layout, um, the icon, um, or the font um, slogan, you know, we're trying to cut that down from, you know, as, as low as five days. Um, you know, sometimes it goes as long as three weeks. And we're trying to cut that down to one online session um, that can be anywhere from 10 minutes to half an hour. And so with our, with our tool, you go on and you put in a very minimal amount of information. And then we spin up hundreds of servers to create these designs and then present them to you. And so it, it, from, you know, from the user's point of view, it just like instantaneously, they see all of these designs. But what we're doing in the background is we are having these conversations in an automated fashion um, in an algorithm on hundreds of different servers um, on the Amazon Web Service, and then presenting the um, the designs back to you. 
And then each of those designs, you know, you, you kind of scroll through and it's, it's an infinite scroll. So you can just keep scrolling through. And some of those are going to call out to you. They're going to have that unknown human X factor. And you'll like it and you'll know it when you see it. But you won't necessarily be able to put it into words, especially as a layperson. Um, you know, we, we can't say, oh, you know what? I wanted to have that uh, sans serif uh, font and I want to have a handwritten um, or you know what? Actually, I want to have a modern block font for the slogan and I want the slogan to be fully justified and I want the icon on the right hand side. You know, design customers don't talk that way. It's not, you know, we've been trained to go into to Starbucks and, and order our lattes in, in a very regimented fashion. But when you're going into a logo design, you don't have that luxury. You don't know what you want until you see it. And so we're like, okay, let's build a tool that does that. What the customer wants is to be able to just look, see, and then modify. And so um, we've spent about two years building this out. Um, and it's a lot more powerful than is at first glance because um, there's so many aspects that are, are um, customizable. Um, but we present you with your first batch of designs within two minutes of you landing on the website. Wow. You didn't mention that infinite scroll in the last time we did this. <laughs> that's, that's, that's interesting. So if you, if you have to choose through an infinite number of logos, um, so I, I guess it's kind of like some kind of rating system. You, you put a checkbox on the ones you kind of like, and it does it, does it take that information and then um, based on that offer you more versions with similar traits or things It like doesn't that? currently do that, Tim, but that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> okay. um, but you know, no, right now we're, we're just allowing the uh, infinite scroll um, and, you know, by the time that you've seen, generally by the time people have seen two or 300 at the most, that they will have um, seen one that they really like. Um, and then they can go in and adjust the color or the font, change the icon. Um, okay. Or along the way, you know, you can go in and you can, um, you can be like, okay, you know what, I've, I've scrolled through two dozen um, and I don't like the icon. So you can change the icon and then it, it loads another set and so then you can scroll through those and then after a few you know a few dozen you're like oh you know what i think i'm going to change the coloring and then you change the color um and then you can you know you can make these start to, to make these adjustments of your own accord um, but you're narrowing it down very rapidly and so you don't have this um, emailing back and forth um you know and dealing with time zones and dealing with, um, you know, misunderstandings on what you mean when you're saying, I, I want a different, a lighter blue. What, how light of a blue do you want? Well, how about we just let you choose it? Mm -hmm. um, and so we, um, um, we, you know, there are definitely um, aspects that we can um, continue to improve um, and to add on like the, uh, like your idea of, Hey, I like these. Um, and then we'll show you more along those, um, along those going that vein when you go into the infinite scroll um you know so aspects like that are coming um they are on the on the on the drawing board so by the time your listeners listen to this maybe it's implemented um but we're constantly iterating um to make the the um 
the choosing of your logo design easier and more intuitive. Okay. It sounds like there's a lot of creativity built into, is it, is it AI in the background? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, what you're trying to do is use um, AI to have these conversations um, program, pro, pro, we call them programmatic conversations um, to, to try and figure out what are the best designs for that industry using those words. What are the best icons to, to show that are related, not, not just to your industry, but to the words within your business name. Um, and what are the, what are, I, you know, ones that haven't been used before, you know, we're drawing from an icon database of 2 million icons. Um, so there's a lot of, of things that we need to, to, to look at um, and, and trying to, to decide what is best um, to, to recommend to you or to suggest to you. Um, but you know, while still giving the user the ability to override any of those aspects. Okay. I'm kind of interested in your definition of creativity because somebody had to program the computer to, to be creative. Um, mm -hmm. So, and it, and it started from something and that something was inside of your head. So yeah. what, how do you define creativity and you know, what, what is maybe your process? That's a, that is very tough. Uh, you know, I mean, it's AI is not just a science, it's an art, right? It's um, trying to take what, um, you're seeing as a human and liking as a human and then defining that into um, into code um, you know we recently were doing a, an iteration and we started to see a spacing aspect and you know when you're first when you when you first um, sit down and you're just scrolling through, you know, and we are the we are the builders and we're scrolling through these results and we're like something's not quite right what is it? And, you know, so you actually have to then you know, say, okay, well, what is, what is, you have to define the problem um, and then express it to the programmers. And then the programming team has to say, okay, how are we going to take this general creative problem that, that has been discussed and, and put that into an algorithm um, that affects the output? Um, and you know, I am not, I'm professed to be not a programmer, right. But I am, um, able to communicate um, quite well with these programmers to say, okay, look, this is the, this is the problem that we're seeing. Um, and you know, it's kind of taking the, the, not just creativity, but the, um, the human eye, um, and aesthetics and what, um, what your emotional reaction to those, um, to those images and designs that you're seeing and then expressing that to the programmers in a way that they're like, okay, so we're going to break it out into these eight aspects and that's what we're going to have to focus on. Um, and, you know, it, so there's, there's um, simplicity in design, there's professionalism, um, you know, there's, um, um, the color palettes and what colors match with what colors, what, what fonts match with what, um, you know, cause you've got a different font for the business name versus the slogan. And so which ones match depending on not just those fonts, but on also on the color palette. And so, and then the sizing of the, 
of the uh, of the icon in relation to the business name and in relation to the slogan. So there's lots of different factors, um, and it's you know when we talk about the creativity, it's in terms of how what is your human emotional reaction to the designs that we display, and how can we um, um, make the designs that we display um, have more uh, high, have a higher percentage of positive reaction. Okay, I like that. You yeah. explained it very well because <laughs> um, there was a process in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So let's go on to something else. What mental skills do you? do in your work you know what mental skills do you work on in your life that improve your performance mm, interesting um it's it's very a very good question and one that i actually had a had a very interesting conversation with i uh, a conversation about last week and that was um you know that i've got so many uh, tasks and you know use I use Asana um, I use to-do lists um, I I'm a, a a bit of an old school even though I'm a tech I'm a bit of an old school person in that um, you know if I write it down using pen on paper um, I have a different aspect than if I'm writing it down uh, you know typing it into a to-do list um, you know app or to-do list or what have you and so um, you know mentally I offload um, my thoughts onto paper and I use paper as my, um, uh, you know, as, as part of, a, uh, you know, being able to not have that, those thoughts rattling around my brain and taking up space. Um, so that's why I love to have to do lists, but I also have business journals. And so, um, you know, I write down, I have, I, you know, these, um, blank black, notebooks and depending on the, the business meeting or the day I will just be writing um, notes or thoughts about that aspect or about that project um, or about that task and be writing them down um, so that you know in two days from now and I come back to thinking about that task I can actually just flip open my business journal and be like okay what did I what did I write and where where were my thoughts on that you know, what, what notes that I have written out and then I can add to that. Um, you know, people talk about you know, doing journaling just on their personal lives, but you know, they don't really talk about journaling for their business aspects. And I think that that's very valuable to be able to um, have these notes that you can flip back to um, that are, are, uh, are talking about what you were, your mental exercises were when you were, you know, um, thinking about doing the hard thinking about um, the the creative um, or the task obstacles that are in your way, um, and so that that has been very helpful uh, mentally to uh, to have these what I call business journals. Okay, uh, out of curiosity, how often do you go back to and review what you wrote on your in your journals? Um, I've got them open. Um, right now, like, <laughs> yeah, my, my, my business journal, um, you know, I, I'm halfway through one that, uh, halfway through the notebook, um, and it's probably covered two weeks. So, and, you know, each page is a different topic. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll leave a, a, 
a page or two in between since I know I'm going to come back to that topic and it's going to take up more space. Um, but it allows me to flip back and forth. I, I use different colored inks every now and then so that I'm like, oh, you know what? When I was talking about the, uh, the uh, you know, business card layout um, design, I was using green pen, right? And it just, and, and that was on such and such a date. And so, you know, within a, a few page flips, you will be able to flip back to that, um, to that um, task topic and be able to, to continue your, your handwritten notes. Um, and, you know, I use those notes then to, you know, type into Asana and, and create tasks or what have you. But um, it's, for me personally, I find it very useful to be able to have this business journal that, um, uh, that, I, uh, that I reference. And, um, you know, I, I didn't come up with this. I, I saw someone else smarter than me doing it. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they explained it to me. And I was like, that's a brilliant idea. I'm going to adopt it. Okay, cool. How would you say to build a strong value proposition if you were a, if you were a, a client coming to your your site logo.com? Mm, that's a great question. Um, you know, when people when clients pay money um, for a service or a product, it's a recognition of value. It's a thank you for for value. You know, if, so if you're not creating value. Um, if you're not either saving time, um, saving money, or making a process simpler um, for a client, then why should they pay you? Um, and you don't want them to pay you if you're not to, if you're not providing something of, of value to them. And so, when we look at um, you know what are we providing um, to our clients, we're 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 trying to take the you know our expressed um, purposes to, to take the design process down from five days to three weeks um, down to, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. And so in doing so, um, we're saving our, our client a tremendous amount of time, saving them management cycles in terms of having to, the time that they're going to need to think about this, um, the conversations that they're going to have back and forth. And so we're creating this value uh, proposition in terms of saving time, making it faster. Um, we're also providing better, what we feel are better designs than they would come up with um, if they were just, you know, to open Photoshop or, or an online tool themselves. Um, and that uh, we are also then um, adding additional value because we're like, okay, well, if we are doing this on mass and we're doing this over and over again, we know that most people, once they've designed their logo, are going to want to do the following things, you know, whether it's Facebook, um, ex, you know, show their logo on Instagram, create a, um, a favicon for their website, um, maybe have it in black and white or in inverse colors, you know, or have it um, on a t-shirt. So we're like, okay, well, let's, let's do that um, or offer that as a package so that they can you know, for um, a ridiculously low amount of money, save themselves a tremendous amount of time. And so, you know, we're trying to um, over deliver on what the customer is expecting um, at a price point that is lower than they are expecting. And so, um, and when you, when you provide it in that um, equation, you're delivering tremendous value. Okay. Is there a question 
that I haven't answer, asked yet that uh, you would like to answer? Is there a question that I haven't answer, asked yet that uh, you would like to answer? You know, I mean, you know, stepping back, I think that um, one of the things that um, I get asked a lot is, you know, um, what do you recommend to people that are, um, are growing their business? Um, and that are, you know, and generally, or not just growing their business, but starting their business, or they're a young person, they're just coming into the field, whatever that field that is. And, you know, looking back, I'm now 50, right? So looking back, what do I wish I had done earlier? Um, and, you know, I think that, um, that what a lot of young people miss right now is building their network. And so, you know, I, my, my kids are in high school and university and, um, you know, when, when uh, looking at their friends and their um, colleagues, there's a lot of them that are not on LinkedIn, right? They're like, oh, I'm on Snapchat, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, but, you know, LinkedIn is for old people. It's like, okay, well, maybe that's true, but you know what? You're going into kind of the old people uh, phase of building a career. And, you know, how, you know, I, I really encourage um, young people to build out um, their LinkedIn profile, build out their LinkedIn network and start, you know, start when you were in high school. Um, that's what my, that's why my kids did. And, you know, building your network is so valuable because um, you want to be helpful. You want to be helpful to your network and that will come back to others being helpful to you. And, um, you know, the longer you wait, the harder it is. Um, not the hard, not necessarily harder, but, you don't have that running start. And so I really encourage young people and people that are starting their business to make sure that you've got your LinkedIn profile built, that you um, actively build that network and that you find ways to be helpful to your network. And that, that will then come back to um, people being helpful to you. Awesome. Um, here on this podcast, we talk about personality. So have you taken any personality assessments in the past? And, and if so, what have you discovered about yourself? Yeah, you know, I, um, I have, um, you know, the, uh, I took a recent one um, that's, uh, that showed that I was um, an obliger, um, and that my, my wife was a rebel. And so that, that was, uh, that ended up being a very fun uh, test and, and conversation uh, between the two of us. Um, but yeah, I, I love taking these um, tests to, to, to see, you know, um, and, and, you know, you change um, from decade to decade or from year to year. Uh, you're not always constant. Um, so it's, it's very insightful to see um, and recognize, you know, especially if you recognize that you're doing something negative, um, whether that's negative uh, towards yourself or negative towards others. Um, and that you're, you're taking this test and you're like, hey, you, and you can catch yourself and correct yourself. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I definitely have seen um, as a result of some of these personality tests, like, okay, well, my reaction is to be defensive. And, you know, I'm being defensive and I'm not actually listening. Um, and that's been a direct result of, you know, taking some of these uh, personality tests. Okay. Um, 
And what kind of things do you get defensive about? Um, about not being perfect, <laughs> you know, <laughs> about not being a, the, the, the uh, you know, you, you think you're always, you know, everyone thinks they're a nice guy, you know, um, but sometimes you do things that are selfish. And, you know, if sometimes if you get called out on it, you're like, no, 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 wait, no, I was, I was actually just doing it for blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you're like, instead of just being like, you know what, you're right. And apologizing and and doing corrective behavior um so i think that uh yeah i think um, th that's what mostly i'm i'm defensive about okay um so kind of wrapping up here where can our listeners learn more about you richard you know um i'm at logo.com so my email is richard at logo.com um, i also have my personal uh website lau lau.com um this year is my 20th uh, year of surviving colon cancer. Um, so you can read about that on lao.com. Um, but yeah, I, or hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm an open book. I'm here to be helpful. Okay. So that's Richard Lau, L-A-U. Uh, so thank you, Richard, for, for being our guest here today. Thanks, Tim. All right. Take care. So that was our interview with Richard. And so the first thing we want to know is what was his personality type? As I said at the beginning, I believe he's an INTJ. So where do I get that? Well, the first thing you'd want to do when you're typing somebody is to figure out their temperament. There's four temperament, and we use the Myers-Briggs system to define those four temperaments. I learned this process of defining temperament from David Kersey's book, Please Understand Me. So I use the same temperaments, although I give them different metaphor names. In Myers-Briggs, the four temperaments are SP, SJ, NT, and NF. I call the SPs the warriors, the SJs the logisticals, the NTs are the strategists, and the NFs I call morale officers. And I use these, these four to define a human army. So we're all in this together. We're not like NTs are from Mars and NFs are from Venus and they're two separate species. No, we're all the same species and we all need each other to survive wars because that's our history as humans is we fight each other. The number one predator on the planet is not tigers and lions and bears, it's other human beings. And over time, we've evolved to support each other, to defend ourselves, and to survive these constant conflicts that we have with other humans. And by divvying up the responsibilities into various types of people, we have a better chance of surviving. We need all four temperaments in order to survive. Now, the temperament of Richard is the NT because those two letters are in his Myers-Briggs personality profile. Now, how do I get that NT? Now, that comes from what I call values. Uh, so we're always listening for the person's values because a strategist, his job is to help the army 
to be more effective with the resources that it has. So what are the things, what are the values, those things that are important to a person with the strategist personality temperament? And you'll hear them. You'll hear things like personal responsibility, goals, efficiency, open-mindedness, logic. You'll always hear about logic. Um, ingeniousness and, you know, always, you know, verifiable facts. And when we're talking with Richards, I was picking those up, especially, you know, personal responsibility and goals and efficiency. So when we were, t when he talks about his company logo.com, what does it do? It allows his clients to be more efficient instead of taking five days to several weeks to design a logo, he can now get it down to under 20 minutes. That is efficiency. That's what the strategist is all about, to make the Army more efficient with what resources it has. And in this case, the resource is time. So those gives us two of the four letters in their Myers-Briggs right off the bat, just by defining what their personality temperament is. So now we need the final two letters, so introvert versus extrovert and judging versus perceiving, the J or the P. We'll take the J or the P first. So the person with the judging trait is the person that makes decisions well in advance of situations occurring. And so they are more likely to stay on task because they want to get to, you know, that goal. They've already made the decision to, to answer the question and to get through it. Where a person with the perceiving personality temp, uh, trait, um, they are more likely to chase rabbits. Um, and they're willing to chase new ideas, to, to explore new ideas as quickly as possible because they might forget them and they might, those new ideas might lead to further opportunities. So in Richard's case, you know, he would answer the question and then you would answer it fully without exploring new avenues. So that is definitely the, the J trait coming through. Now, was he an introvert or an extrovert? And we talk a lot about this one on this podcast because this is the only one of the traits where you really have to look at behavior over the longer period of time. And so when I'm selling to somebody, I never try to figure out introvert versus extrovert right away. What I'm always looking for is temperament because temperament defines their values. And so when we're selling to somebody like Richard, we want to talk about efficiency and logic, not so much about whether they're an introvert or an extrovert because it doesn't really define who they are. So in Richard's case, I would define him as an introvert or leans more towards the introversion side of things. Because what I've noticed about extroverts is their behavior. When they're talking to somebody, they have a thought and they got to get that thought out. It's kind of like they have to speak to think. Where introverts think first and then speak. So in Richard's case, when I would ask a question, he would answer the question and then pause and wait for me to ask the next question. Or an extrovert, what I notice about them, and you, we can argue about this, but what I notice about them is that 
if there's dead air, they have to fill it because thoughts are always coming into their mind and the thoughts come out of their mouth first before they bounce off the walls and go back into the ears and being processed. So having a blank pause is kind of disconcerting to an extrovert. They have to fill that dead air. And Richard was very open to having dead air, you know, between conversations. So now we have his four letters. We got the N and the T from the temperament, and then we can figure out the other two uh, by behavior. The So he's an INTJ. So now, during our conversation, there were some other things that I wrote down that uh, I thought I'd share with you that I noticed, and you'll notice these things also with with other NTs. You know, as as I said, NTs are always about logic, and so they break things down into their logical components. So when we were talking about um, new ideas and being creative, you know, I threw out a new idea to him, and he didn't discard it right away. Um, you know, I suggested a ranking system in the application, you know, so you, you're seeing all these logos come in and you kind of like check one off that you, you know, kind of look interesting. And then I suggested, well, maybe you could group all of these together, find whatever's common element in them, and then create new logos based on the ones that you've checked off. And so I threw that out there and Richard, um, he didn't um, discard it. And I'm sure, I am positive that he has thought about this particular feature in advance of this conversation. And like, he, like he said, he's been working on this project for over two years before they finally release it to the public. So I'm sure he's thought about this. And he didn't discard it by saying it can't be done. He just said, ooh, we might add that in the future. And by the time you listen to this, it might have been added to, the, to his process so that's what I notice about NTs in particular is they don't discard facts or new information that's flowing into them. They are always open to new information. And then I asked him a specific question about creativity and how you define creativity. And I asked this because I believe that each of the four temperaments has a different definition or a different way of approaching creativity. In this case, I wanted to know about his definition of creativity. And basically what he did is he broke it down into, into steps, into a process. And the process never finishes. It always, you know, you have an input, you see what happens you see how people react to it, and then based on that, then you start the cycle all over again. What I'm getting at is what the NTs, they're the strategists, what I call them, is that their process of creativity is a never-ending process. They're never finished. They're never fully satisfied with the results. They always think it can be done a little bit better. Another thing that NTs also do is they is their word choice. And this is one of the things I asked you to listen for at the beginning of this conversation was what words or phrases he uses. And one of them that, that struck me, and I had to actually write it down, was he talked about pragmatic conversations. Now, that is a big, open-ended 
conceptual idea. For me, the logistical type person, I want to know the start and the finish of it. But in his case, it's open-ended. It's, it's very conceptual. And this is, you know, that intuitive trait coming out. Okay, and then in the conversation that I had with Richard, we talked about mental skills. And again, this is another one of those questions that can really help you to define what temperament a person is in. Um, so I asked about mental skills. So basically what I was asking was, what is your definition of success? And this was a kind of a subtle way of asking it because I wanted to know what things were important to him, what his values were that drive success. And first he, he stops and he says, I've got to define what the problem is when I'm talking about mental skills or definition of success. And for him, it was completing a series of tasks. Again, it's, it's like a process. Um, so, you know, he says he uses Asana and then he writes things down and he writes them down so he can always improve in the future. You know, he leaves blank pages in his notebook so that he can add to it, you know, as thoughts come to him, you know, a constant improvement of his performance. And then what they also, you know, one of his values is, is a task list, you know, so he can com complete the steps to get to his goal, which, you know, like is the final value, you know, that value that strategist people have. And then we talked about value propositions. And again, I asked him this to find out, you know, again, what's important to him. And one of the things that you'll always notice about strategist type people is they break things down and usually it's a list of at least three things. So on his value proposition list, he, he came up with three things. You know, first, he was very clear on what the overall value proposition was for his business, and that is saving his client's time. But then there's number two in that list is he wants to create better designs than a customer could create on their own using, you know, Photoshop or, you know, some kind of graphic program. And then number three, you know, again, his categories come in threes, is he wants to export out logos in different formats, you know, one for Facebook, one for a favorite one for T-shirts, etc. So... So again, what we're listening for when we're talking to strategists is things that come in sets of three or more or categories of three or more items in them. You know, and then the question I asked him was, you know, was there something that I didn't ask you? And what did he talk about? And what that was, you know, here again, it's one of the keys to success. And this one I, I didn't associate with strategist in my book selling by personality type it's it's more generic because i've seen this strategy a lot of people use but the strategy that he says that he he uses is building a network of people and you know he recommends that you start right away with linkedin and as i said this is not something that i would 
definitely associate with a strategist because I've seen other personality types use this. So that's why you don't find it in my book, Selling by Personality Type, one of the values of the strategist type person. When we were talking about personality towards the end of the interview, there were some things that I did disagree with him about. You know, one of the things was that he says is that your personality changes over time. Now, if you look at it from a strategist perspective, you know, a strategist is always trying to improve themselves. So in that sense, personality is about, you know, if I'm improving, my personality must be changing as well. But I see this part I disagree with. You know, he had this same personality trait, you know, the same uh, behavior when he was a younger person now, and, you know, compared to that now when he's 50 years old. He's always trying to improve himself. Um, and that's, again, one of the values of the strategist temperament. And then the other thing that I noticed was that he believes that there is a purpose to understanding personality, and that's to catch yourself doing those stupid things so that you can correct yourself in the future. Again, a constant improving process. And this is, you know, very strategist-like theme that they talk about. One of the things that I asked him about was what what triggered him? You know, what are the things that kind of that get him angry? And one of the things that he mentioned that, that causes him to be defensive, you know, and, and when you're defensive, it's kind of you've, the, the anger trigger has been invoked. And anger is always triggered when something that you value has been attacked. So where he gets defensive is his value of being perfect. He says, you know, I'm not being perfect and he was trying to justify his selfishness. So basically, when when he gets angry, he has to step back and say, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to be logical in, in order to improve my chances of success. And another thing, you know, when, you're, when we're talking about strategists, strategists, you know, there's this impression that people have of them that they aren't emotional and I believe that is totally false people are emotions and emotions are always triggered by an interaction with a value and as we said when we attack a value of logicalness or, or perfection um, it triggers a little bit of defensiveness a little bit of anger in that strategist type person so just because a person is of the strategist personality type, don't think that they aren't emotional. They are. So uh, that is our episode today, talking with Richard Lau. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Richard. We, we, like I said, we in this interview, we did it twice because I screwed up the first time. Um, and I enjoyed myself talking to him the second time, even more than the first time. Um, so... That's the episode. I hope you learned something, you know, how to deal with the strategist type person. And until the next episode, I hope you go out and have a great week. Again, my name is Tim Van Milligan. And I talked about it in this episode, but uh, my book that I wrote, 
called Selling by Personality Type is available on Amazon as a Kindle book. If you want to know more about personality and you want to know it really fast, that's where I would suggest that you start because you're going to get overloaded with a lot of information that you can implement right away. So thanks again for listening.